Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Ritman Grace Podcast. We hope that it will encourage you as you seek to follow God and grow in your faith. If you would like to know more about our church, you can check us out at www.ritmangrace.org or feel free to email us at ritmangbc at aol.com. But for right now, let's get into today's message. Well, good morning, Grace Church. How's everybody doing this morning? Hope you're all having a good weekend so far. Um, I know we put our fall stuff out last night, so once the pumpkin stuff is out, it's officially fall at the Jeanette family house. So, And uh, our son, Luca Jeanette, who was born July 23rd of this year, he's doing great, and uh, he's starting to do this thing called sleep, uh, which is awesome. And uh, we're starting to figure out what that is, too. Again, we totally forgot what sleep was. So... Uh, but yeah, we're, we're doing good. Motherhood looks really great on my wife, Amanda, and uh, fatherhood, I can never really look good, but, uh, but I'm a dad now, so, so that's a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's just awesome to be a dad. I'm excited about that. I'm also excited because we're going to start a brand new uh, series this morning on Jesus' parables, and so I'm really excited about that. idea. Um, I've heard some people say it that way. Some people said that a parable is really an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Um, The parables that Jesus told um, during the first century, during his earthly ministry, uh, he would tell these stories to reveal truth to people, but he would also tell these stories to conceal truth from people as well, which sounds kind of strange, but that's exactly what he did, and that's what we're going to uh, see here this morning and the ensuing weeks to come. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, If you're kind of a type A personality, more of a linear thinker, uh, let me try to give you a little bit of a roadmap of kind of what uh, today and the next several weeks are going to look like in in terms of what we're going to be studying and kind of looking at together with these parables. So so it's going to look a little bit like this. Uh, Today we're going to look at the parable of the Look at the wise and the foolish builder. Uh, Then we're going to look at the Good Samaritan, the Persistent Widow, the Two Debtors, Hidden Treasure and the Pearl, uh, Parable of the Rich Fool. Then we're going to close our series by looking at the Parable of the Lost Sheep and the Lost Coin. So so we're going to look at a lot of these stories that Jesus told. So the question is, why study the parables of Jesus? Right? Why tune in for today's message? Why lock in for the next several weeks? Well, I think it's worth dialing in because... Uh, these parables, these stories that Jesus told, uh, they have profound implications for our present life as well as our future life. And when we think about all the crazy stuff going on in our world right now, from the uh, racial injustice to uh, you know just being an election year and uh, COVID nineteen and just you know earthquakes, different stuff like that going on. It's good to kind of sync up with Jesus, right? And to see that Jesus came not to save a culture, but to build a kingdom, right? He didn't come to build back better. He came to build a kingdom. He didn't come to drain the swamp. He came to build a kingdom. And so we see that this kingdom of God that Jesus is really all about, uh, we see that, you know, it's different from an earthly kingdom. An earthly kingdom, if you think of like Alexander the Great, an earthly kingdom would they would establish their kingdom by coercion or by force. Jesus' kingdom is a little bit upside down. He's going to say stuff like, the least are the greatest in the kingdom of God. He's going to say stuff like, love and pray for your enemies. And so it's, it's a little bit countercultural to what we're used to. 
But I want to encourage us to dial in because I do believe that if we really get a hold of these truths that Jesus talked about in the first century, we'll see that they apply. They're just as relevant today in the 21st century as well. So today we're going to be kicking off this series, Jesus' Parables, by looking at the parable of the sower. Um, and I want to kind of, as a lead-in, ask you, like, how many times have you heard this from somebody? They don't listen to me. She won't listen to me. My wife won't listen to me. My husband, he won't listen to me. My kids, they won't listen to me. You hear kids say, my parents, they won't listen to me. I try to explain stuff to them, and they won't listen to me. This is a complaint that is heard all around the world and just about every single relationship. And everybody has complained about this at some point in time or another. Have you? Have you ever complained about that? You don't have to look at them right now. I know this is a no-nudge Sunday, right? Let's make that a rule, a no-nudge Sunday. There's a lot of uh, really funny stuff to say about this. There's a joke I heard I want to share it with you. Once upon a time, there was a, a guy who was at his doctor's appointment. He was complaining to his doctor about his wife, and he said this, Doc, I just don't think my wife's hearing is as good as it used to be. I think she might be going deaf. And so the doctor said, well, you can do a test. When you get home later tonight, when you see your wife uh, in one of the rooms of your house, stand about 15 feet back from her, and when her back is faced towards you, ask her a question. See if she responds. So he says, okay. He goes home, and he sees his wife standing at the kitchen counter. Her back is faced towards him, and he's about 15 feet away from her. And he says, honey, what's for dinner tonight? No response. So he gets a little bit closer. He's about 10 feet away from her now. Her back is faced towards him. He asks the same question. Honey, what's for dinner tonight? No response. So he gets about five feet away from her. Her back is still faced towards him. And uh, he says the same thing. Honey, what's for dinner tonight? Still no response. So he gets by inches away from her. He's right behind her now. And he says again, honey, what's for dinner tonight? She whirls around, and she looks at him, and she screams, I've told you four times, chicken. <laughs> well, it's kind of a cheesy joke, but thankfully I'm not that bad yet. But my wife will be, the fr- actually she'll be the second to tell you, I'll be the first to tell you, I'm not a very good listener. And maybe you can identify with that a little bit. Uh, maybe you're a husband, and you struggle to listen to your wife sometimes. Uh, But honestly, I would submit to you that we as a society, we're just not very good at listening. We always want people to listen to us, but how often do we want to listen to other people? And if you don't believe me, then just get on Facebook and watch a Democrat talk to a Republican. (laughs) It won't take long to see that. Uh, The thing is, listening is a critical life skill. And uh, we're going to see in today's passage why some people, even though they're really smart, They can't seem to see the truth. Uh, We're also going to see today why so many people interpret the Bible in different ways. It also explains why some of us have such a hard time paying attention in sermons, why some of us get a little bit drowsy the exact moment that I stand up here to speak. So in our passage today, what we're going to notice is that Jesus, he did not simply come to bring forgiveness of sins. Jesus came to bring the kingdom of God. So you go, what's that have to do with listening? Well, what we're going to see is that the kingdom of God comes by hearing. 
The kingdom of God comes by listening. So there's going to be four different groups of people that Jesus is going to address and how they hear the message about the kingdom of God. And that's what we're going to see today. So I want to invite you, if you have your Bibles, go with me to Matthew chapter 13. We're going to be breaking in at verse 1. Uh, Matthew chapter 13, verse 1. We're going to read it and we're going to make some observations about it. So Matthew 13, verse 1, it says this. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by a lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. So let's just pause there. We didn't make it very far, but I think it's worth just mentioning here that, uh, you know, just imagine what that would be like. Imagine Jesus and having uh, crowds of people around him to the point where he has to get into a boat and push off from shore a little bit. And then he starts speaking to these crowds of people. Um, I think it would be a pretty neat thing to see. It'd be cool to be like a fly on the wall during that time in the Bible. Um, If you've ever been in a boat before, you know that when you have a conversation, your voice kind of carries over the water. So Jesus kind of has this natural amphitheater kind of going on a little bit. Um, So notice what happens next. The Bible says, He told them many things and parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown." Whoever has ears, let them, what's the word? Say it with me. Hear. In other words, listen, right? Which is what we're going to be discussing and talking about this morning. So notice how the disciples respond in verse 10. The disciples came to him and they asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? Right? Pretty good question. They were confused. They're like, Jesus, why are you telling this story? You have this amazing opportunity. You have this huge crowd of people. Why aren't you more straightforward? Why don't you make a more definitive claim about who you are and what you're about? I think that's a question that many of us would probably ask too if we were there. The disciples were confused. And if you're confused during sermons and messages, then you probably would have made a pretty good disciple of Jesus. And so... They ask him, why, why aren't you being more straightforward, right? I think that's a question that many of us ask. I ask that a lot when I read the Bible. How come God isn't more definitive of who he is? How come when I read the Bible, there isn't like an angel hovering over saying, this is true, this is true? Or how come when a college student is at a university, why isn't it that when a professor denies the truth of Scripture, God doesn't make like a Darth Vader stranglehold, right? And be, like, why doesn't that stuff happen? Well, in the Gospel of John, Jesus has a lot of I am statements. He's very straightforward. But in the synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus is not as straightforward about. But he has a plan doing this. Because Jesus is going to give us a couple reasons why he's not more straightforward about this. So notice what happens in verse 11. He replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. In other words, you might write this down if you're taking notes. Insight into truth is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Insight into truth is a gift of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter how smart you are. 
only the Holy Spirit can reveal the truth about Jesus and his kingdom. If you think about Matthew 16, when Jesus asked Peter, the disciple, who do you say that I am? Remember what Peter said? He said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus didn't look to Peter and go, gold star for you, Peter. You're smarter than everybody else. You're the smartest disciple. No, Jesus said, this was revealed to you not by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And so it's the Holy Spirit, right? It's not because we're really smart. And so when we have people in our lives that don't get a hold of the truth, we don't go, well, you're stupid. No, we pray and ask God to soften their hearts. In fact, notice what the Apostle Paul says. In 1 Corinthians 12, 13, he says, No man can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And so there's nothing that we can do, right? Paul would say in Ephesians 2, it's by grace that you've been saved through faith. This is nothing that you've done. This is a gift. Jesus is going to give us another reason why he's not more straightforward. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken away or will be taken from them. And so, in other words, Jesus is saying what you do with that truth will determine how more truth will be revealed to you. He continues and he says this, verse 13, This is why I speak to them in parables, though seeing they do not see, though hearing they do not hear or understand. You can write this down if you're taking notes. Insight into truth is as much a matter of the heart as it is of the head. Insight into truth is just a matter of the heart as it is of the head. Uh, I love what Charles Spurgeon says about this. The same sun which melts wax hardens clay, and the same gospel which melts some persons to repentance hardens others in their sins. I love what Spurgeon is saying here. It's, he's saying it's not so much the exposure to the sun, it's the materials in which the sun is shining down upon. Think of it this way. Uh, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 2, verse 15, We are the pleasing aroma of Christ to those who are being saved, and those who are perishing, we are the stench of death. That's pretty strong. That's pretty strong. Uh, this is going to seem a little bit weird, but I think a good way to flesh this truth out is by asking you a really important question. How many of you like bacon? I love bacon. I think you could tell by looking at me I love bacon, but here's the thing about bacon. Uh, I love the smell of bacon. Uh, if I hear the, 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 uh, the sound of bacon in the kitchen, I just want to walk in and smell it because I think it's just the most, I think it's from God. I just do. Um, my wife, though, when she was pregnant, uh, she could not be around the smell of bacon. It would make her so sick. And uh, we made it a rule that uh, I could only make bacon if she was not home. And if I did, I'd have to light a candle afterwards, right? Um, so, so to her, it was like the stench of death, right? <laughs> but for me, it was like this pleasing aroma, you know? And uh, as funny and, and weird as this kind of sounds, uh, bacon is a lot like the gospel. Uh, some people are like, oh, wow, I want more of that. I'm interested in that. Can I have some more, please? Uh, other people are kind of like, you know, like my wife was when she was pregnant, like, yeah, get that away from me. You know, like, we can be friends, but uh, I don't really want that around me. So if you can get your head around that, that's kind of what the gospel of the kingdom is like. When, when, when that message goes out, some people it's going to be really, really good. For other people that are going to not want anything to do with it. 
Jesus is going to specifically get into these four categories now. If we bounce down to verse 18, he's going to say, Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. So if you're taking notes, this first category, we're going to call this the hard heart. The hard heart. And this is, of course, when the seed falls and it doesn't penetrate the soil. And so the seed can't germinate. It can't sprout. There's no fruit. Because this is someone who hears the message and they just can't believe it. Right? They can't believe it. Uh, notice I didn't say they won't believe it. They, they cannot believe it because their hearts are hardened. And so you almost get this impression that Jesus is talking about an atheist, somebody who doesn't believe in God. But if you look at the context of this passage, what you see in this audience is two different groups of people. You see this agrarian society, uh, these people who probably would have appreciated this illustration of these four soils, but you also see another group in this audience. You see the religious elite. You see the Pharisees. You see the scribes. You see um, the Sadducees. And these were people who were considered themselves to be God people, to be religious people. Uh, but their hearts were hardened about the truth of Jesus. And so what do you do with this category, right? What if you're in this category? What if you know somebody, uh, maybe there's a face or a name that pops up in your head right now when we talk about this group. Do you, you know, message them on Facebook and say, hey, I want to debate you? <laughs> or do you pray and ask God, please soften their hearts, Lord. Please soften their hearts. I think that's what we should do. Jesus is going to describe the next category now. He says, the seed, verse 20, the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. So this next category, we're going to call this the shallow heart. The shallow heart, and of course, this is you know the seed that falls, and it uh, you know it gets into the soil, but there's rocks, right? It's almost kind of like a French drain, right? Uh, the uh, seed can get down there, it can germinate and sprout up real quick, but since there's no root, it doesn't last very long. Very long. Uh, this is a person who hears the the good news, and they are excited. They have a mountaintop experience, right? Like going to summer camp, like woo, Jesus, wow. This is changing my life. I'm going to throw away all my non-Christian music. I'm going to, uh, you know, start a Christian band. I'm going to, you know, change my Facebook status. Right? Uh, this is a person who is just on fire for the Lord. And uh, what happens is, as soon as trials, as soon as uh, tribulation starts to happen in their lives, they go. Uh, I don't know if I meant to sign up for that. I thought Jesus was supposed to make my life better. Right? Um, now it seems like my life is getting harder. I don't know if Christianity is for me. The ultimate question that this person uh, with the shallow heart would ask is, Jesus, what's in it for me? What can you do for me, Jesus? And so, again, sometimes uh, you know, we might find ourselves in this category. You might know somebody in this category. What do you do? Well, you pray for them, and you ask God to soften their heart. This next category, Jesus says this, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, choke the word, making it unfruitful. This category, we're going to call it the divided heart. And the divided heart, it is what it sounds like. 
there's divided loyalties. Uh, this is the seed that falls among the thorns, and so it grows, it sprouts, but then it gets choked out. Uh, if you think about uh, this idea of being choked out, uh, my mind goes to uh, the Marines, right? I'm sure that's what you were thinking too. But uh, the, the Marines, they're trained to actually choke people out. There's two different methods they learn. One's called the air choke, and the other one's called the blood choke. And um, if, you, if you can imagine that, you know, you have somebody in a headlock, um, not immediately, but over time, the person starts to black out. And I think this is a good illustration for what happens when somebody has a desire to follow Jesus in discipleship. They have a desire to want to surrender their life to him. But then there's also a desire to want to cling to a life of ease and a life of money and a life of possessions, right? There's nothing wrong with money or possessions, but when those money and possessions own you, well, that's a different story, right? And so what happens is that desire to follow Jesus eventually gets choked out by the desire to live a life of ease and to have nothing but money and possessions to live for. And so that's, that's kind of a sad commentary, right? Uh, to, to live a life with a, with a divided heart. Uh, this is a person whose uh, their ultimate question is, um, Jesus, will you be an accessory to my life, right? Uh, yeah, I'll come to church, Jesus, but don't ask me to serve, right? Uh, you know, Jesus, I'll follow you, but don't ask me to give up my anger, right? Uh, Jesus, I'll follow you, but don't ask me to do this. And so this is what we call uh, the divided heart. Jesus demands full surrender, right? Jesus doesn't want to be number one in our lives on a scale of one to ten. Jesus wants to be number one in our lives from a scale of one to one. And so Jesus calls for lordship in our lives, so this is all very depressing stuff, so let's get to the good news. Jesus says in verse 23, But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word, understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160, 30 times what was sown. We'll call this category the open heart. This is the good soil. This is the person that just cannot get enough of the good news of the gospel. This is a person that when the Bible's open and the word is being preached, the person is on the edge of their seat. They just, they just can't get enough. This is a life that's characterized by Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. This is a, a person who not only has the seed uh, you know, been uh, penetrated the soil, but it's also sprouted and, and, it, and it's bared fruit. If you think about fruit, I love that illustration because if you open up fruit, what's inside of it? More seeds. And so this is a person who is not only growing in Christ, but they're also sowing for Christ. They're telling other people the good news about the kingdom of heaven. So how do you become that good soil? Well, I have four ways to cultivate good soil, and I want to talk about those a little bit. So these four ways that cultivate good soil, I think the first way is to expose and remove the rock. So let me explain what I mean by that. God's word says that the heart is deceitful beyond all things. And we as humans have the uncanny ability to hide sin in our lives. But here's the promise. We see in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, the Bible tells us, 
If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And so if you have unconfessed sin that you're harboring in your life, I just I plead with you this morning, recognize that the immeasurable price that Christ paid for you for that sin, it's paid for and he gives us, he gives you the power through his promise, through the spirit to cleanse you and to forgive you. You know, I think that the enemy likes to use embarrassment as a means to keep us hiding in our sin, uh, using this idea that, you know, you're weird or you're different if you bring that sin out into the light. But the reality is there's, there's nobody that's too weird. There's nobody that's too broken that can't be healed by the blood of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul says in Corinthians chapter 10, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. So the first thing we do to cultivate good soil is we remove the rock. Secondly, I think another way to cultivate good soil is to find joy and purpose in the trials. To find joy and purpose in the trials. Who does that sound like? Sounds like James, right? (laughs) That's because James says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Yeah, I think the opposite of that sounds like, sounds like that, that soil we talked about earlier where, you know, when the going gets tough, we're like, you know, Jesus, this is not what I signed up for. I thought you were going to make my life better. I thought you were going to make my life easier. Uh, but the Bible tells us that when trials come into our lives, Right? This, this testing of our faith produces perseverance, making us mature. The third way we cultivate good soil is we trust and we release control. We trust and we release control. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So maybe sometimes we feel like our life isn't going into the direction that we wish it would go into. Well, God is somebody that we can trust. When we go in a direction that we don't want to go, we can release control to God. Right? Uh, God looked like he was not in control when Jesus was on the cross. God was in complete control. Because what happened? Jesus was buried and he rose from the grave on the third day, conquering and defeating Satan, sin, and death. So when our lives are going in a direction that we don't think they ought to go, we can trust and release that control to God. The fourth way to cultivate good soil, I believe, is to fertilize and water your heart. And what do I mean by that? Well, getting into the Bible, right? Which, of course, we hear that so often, but it's so true. Getting into the Bible every day, uh, sometimes we're tempted to think, ah, I'm too busy. You know what? I, don't, I just don't get anything out of it. Maybe we need to invite somebody into that process with us, right? Maybe we need to partner up with somebody and go through a Bible reading plan, right? Whether it's, uh, you know, our daily bread, right, that we find in our, in our members' mailbox. Or maybe it's something that we can, you know, get, get on the YouVersion Bible app and do it that way. However you do that, maybe we need to invite somebody into that process. Listen, I know that when I go through these four things, um, I know if I was sitting where you're sitting right now, I'd be thinking, like, well, this is kind of overwhelming. And... Uh, I don't know, I'm feeling a little bit beat up right now, to be honest. If that's you today, can I just encourage you with this? God is the farmer in this whole deal. 
Jesus, our Lord, is the farmer of our hearts. So if you've got rocks in your soil this morning, if you've got thorns, you can go to Jesus. And you can say, Jesus, I need you to remove this. I need you to remove these rocks and thorns in my soil. You know what Jesus is going to do? He's going to be like, really, you're coming to me? No, that's not what Jesus would do. Jesus would say, I already took your rocks. I already took your thorns. I took the crown of thorns. I already took your rock. I was buried under a rock. And then I rose, and I defeated Satan, sin, and death. And I redeemed you. And so you can go to Jesus today, and you can ask him to do that for you. So I'll just close with the words of Jesus, because I think Jesus just says it best. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Please join me in a word prayer. Well, Lord, we just thank you so much for who you are. Uh, we thank you that you, know, you, you came to build a kingdom, and that, uh, God, you're inviting us to be a part of that kingdom. And you want us to be kingdom-focused right now. God, I know there's a lot of distractions going on in our world right now. And, um, Lord, we can be tempted to think that you're not in control. We could be tempted to think that, you know, depending on who gets voted into office is going to be the big game changer, right? It's not like that's not a big deal. But, Jesus, you're building a kingdom. And you promised, you know, upon this rock I will build my church, and not even the gates of hell will be able to stop it. And so, Lord, I pray that if we're followers of you this morning, that we would cling to that truth, God, uh, the truth that, you know, you, you want us to be a part of this, this kingdom. You want us to partner with you to be that good soil, to, to yield a crop of 160, 30 times what was sown. Lord, you want us to, to sow those seeds, God, to people in our neighborhood, to people that we work with, the people that we are family members with, the people that we don't agree with. God, to our enemies, you want people to come to know you. And so, Lord, give us that burden, God. Give us that passion. And, Lord, for those of us that are, you know, just investigating you and they're not really sure where they land with the whole Jesus thing, Lord, I pray that you would soften their hearts, God, whether they're the, the category of the hardened heart, the category of the, you know, the shallow heart, the divided heart. I pray that you would soften their hearts, God, we can't change people, but you can, Holy Spirit. So we pray that that would be true of people that are in our lives that don't know the good news about Jesus Christ. Lord, uh, help us to be willing and able to do what you call us to do and share the good news with them. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Ritman Grace Podcast. If you have questions, or would like to know more about our church, please visit www.ritmangrace.org or email us at ritmangbc at aol.com.